um, if you know me, as soon as the weather plummets into even the 30s, 40s, I'll be honest with you, the 40s, I start getting a, um, a chill that feels like an anger, but it's a chill in my bones that I don't get warm. It's hard for me to warm up. So we don't love it like this in the building. Um, not just me. Uh, we are in the pro- we're waiting for parts to come in. Okay, and so uh, the process of getting the HVAC fixed in the building is coming. Uh, I've heard the first week of December. Um, that doesn't mean you should skip church next Sunday. Okay, um, but the first week of December is what what uh, we've been told, um, and so be praying for that, and uh, and then. It's um, going to be sweating in here. It's going to be amazing. Well, last week, uh, we looked at Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, and we talked about Thanksgiving. And I mentioned last week that I didn't choose that um, topic or that text because of Thanksgiving Day approaching. Uh, This morning, however, I did choose the text and the topic because Thanksgiving is coming this week. So I want to ask you as we begin, what if I told you um, that I decided to preach on just one sentence this morning? How would that, how would you feel about that? Is that good? Especially after telling you it's a little chilly in here, right? Uh, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach on one sentence. So go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. In the Greek, this text, Ephesians 1, verse 3, all the way through verse 14, which is absolutely wonderful, is actually one long sentence. Any of you who are English lovers, uh, that may frustrate you. If someone, if you were a teacher and someone turned in a sentence that was as long as verses 3 through 14 and ongoing like that, that may frustrate you, but that is what is happening here. This is one praise-filled, glorious sentence, and it is amazing. I truly believe that every follower of Jesus needs to know this text needs to understand the blessings that are here and the truth that is written here in in these verses. One of the main focuses of these verses is praise and thanksgiving to God concerning who you are in Christ, what our identity is in Christ. As we approach Thanksgiving this week, I hope you can delight in the truths of this text as you gather with others to give Thanks, And I want to say before we read, no matter who you think you are, if you are in Christ, this is true about you. This is 100% truth about you, no matter how you feel. So go ahead and stand and follow along. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, 
even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ." as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and praise You for the truth that we've just read and the goodness that is there. We ask You to help us, Lord. We want to be people who know who we are in Christ, who know the truth of what You say of us, to live in light of that truth. So help us today, we pray, to embrace what you have said in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I want to discuss four points that Paul highlights concerning your identity, my identity in Christ in these verses. The four things are, first, you are blessed. Second, you are chosen and loved. Third, you are pure and holy. And fourth, you are safe and secure. First, you are blessed. In Christ, we are blessed. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, Paul is clearly excited about this in this text. He's excited about declaring our identity and the praise and glory that God deserves because what He has done. So it's obvious through this as he repeats these praise-filled words throughout these verses that he is excited about it. But we ought also remember Paul is in chains. He is He's giving all of this praise and all of this thanksgiving in prison. Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains." that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So all of this praise, all of this thanksgiving comes from prison. And he says something here about our identity and what is bringing so much praise and thanksgiving from him. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you are in Christ, you have been blessed. You have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, the heavenly places are the spiritual realm, the place in which God and all spiritual powers dwell. So, not heaven, it includes heaven, but it isn't heaven, it is all of the, the, the dimension in which all of the spiritual powers dwell. And we learn from the book of Ephesians that the heavenly places are, first, the place where we have already been blessed, here in verse 3, but also where Jesus has been enthroned forever over all evil powers. We learn that in verse 20 of chapter 1, where we have been raised and seated with Christ, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 6 where the manifold wisdom of God is made known to rulers and authorities by the witness of the church. In chapter 3, verse 10, Paul writes that. And then where chapter 6 tells us we need to stand firm against the spiritual assault from the schemes of the devil. Paul's Paul's saying right from the beginning here, you have been blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. These blessings belong to all Christians. From the time we first trust in Christ, this is true of you and true of me and true of every person who trusts in Jesus. Now, I want to say here before we discuss these blessings and the rest of this text, this is true of you if you are in Christ. I'm going to repeat that truth throughout this sermon, no matter how you felt when you woke up this morning, no matter how you behaved throughout this week, we're going to see through this long and praise-filled text, God's grace and your position are not dependent on your ability or behavior. And that is why you and I should give thanks today with great joy. The wonderful word here is every. You have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Each believer has received in Christ every possible spiritual blessing from God. Not one is being withheld from you. Now, yes, we, we all have differing gifts. We all have differing ministries. But we all have every single spiritual blessing. And so we never need to feel less blessed or more blessed than another believer. God has given each Christian everything to enjoy in all of eternity. Eleven times in this wonderful long sentence that runs from verse 3 to verse 14, we are reminded of all that we have in Christ by faith in Him. 
We're blessed not just, not just through Christ as if He's simply the mechanism for getting blessing, but we're personally blessed in Christ because we are united to Christ by faith. And so although we come to Him poor and needy, we find in Him blessings and riches that only He can give. Not the riches this world can give, but blessings that are eternal, everlasting, and without prejudice to all who are in Christ. If you know Jesus, if you are in Christ, you are blessed. And the second truth about you is you are chosen and loved. If you're in Christ, you are chosen and loved, verses 4 through 6, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved. This is amazing. Long before we ever chose to follow Jesus, God the Father chose us. That is a most wonderful truth. Is a reason that Paul is, is overflowing with thanks to God. You think about your life right now. Think about how you live when no one is watching. Or how you lived before you knew Jesus. And think about God. Think about what the Bible teaches and tells us about who God is. Think think about what God absolutely must be like if He is God. Holy. Completely set apart from us. Just. Not in the sense that we experience and give justice, but perfect justice. Righteous, not not an ill or error in Him at all. Good and all-knowing, knowing every single thing. He knows everything you have ever done and everything you have ever thought. And He knows everything you will ever do and everything you will ever think. And the Bible teaches that He, that God, looked and not only set His eyes upon you, but set His heart upon you. Set His love upon you. We're not saved because we turned out to be more clever or more deserving than other people. Not at all. We know that about ourselves. We may not admit that about ourselves, but we know that if we're honest. We're no more deserving of faith. We're no more deserving of grace than any other person on the planet. That decision was made long before we were even born. 
Look what Jesus says about it in John 15, verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And earlier in John 6, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Think about this. Before the world was even created, in love, he predestined us for adoption. He chose us in him from before the foundations of the world. And what does it say? Despite how unlovely we are, God not just predestined us to become servants, He predestined us to become sons. He's chosen us, predestined us to be His sons. He's chosen to unite us with His Son by faith, and in doing that, we're blessed to enjoy the privileges of sonship, the privileges of His own Son. Why? Why would he look and choose me, knowing the things that I would think and do today and tomorrow and the next day and the rest of my life? Because of love. Love. If you are approaching this Thanksgiving and you feel sorrow and maybe you even feel unloved or unlovely, God loves you. You are chosen and loved even as He chose you in Him from before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless before Him. Not some day, not some hopeful time in the future, but right Now, that's true about you if you are in Christ, holy and blameless. And in love, he predestined you for adoption as sons. Third, you are pure and holy. If you are in Christ, you are pure and you are holy. Verses 7 through 10, in him We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In the Bible, redemption means liberation from slavery upon the payment of a ransom. We are people, if we are in Christ, we are people who are free. Free. We're free to become the people that God created us to be, made in the image of Christ. And even though we often wander back into the filthiness of our old life, of our prison and slavery to sin, Jesus has opened the door to the cell permanently. 
And Jesus is the one who always is leading us back into light by his grace. You are pure and you are holy in Jesus. Now, how is this freedom possible? And what ransom has been paid for him to say that we are redeemed? That in him we have redemption. Well, he tells us there, through his blood. We trust in the precious blood of Jesus who has sacked who was sacrificed on the cross in our place for our sins. And that forgiveness that comes is according to the riches of His grace. That cleanness, that purity, that holiness is according to the riches of His grace. And so as you evaluate your position with Christ and your identity in Christ, it's not a stepping back and looking at my life and checking these boxes and making sure, have I done this much? Have I done as much as this person has or this person have? Well, then, I'm, then I'm this pure and I'm this... No, no, no. It's according to the riches of His grace, not my ability. However gracious God is, that's how pure and holy you and I are. And now God has been fully satisfied. His anger toward sin has been fully satisfied. That the death penalty that we deserve because of our horribly sinful and sinful life has been fully suffered by Christ on the cross. Consider that for a moment. If God were simply to allow a payment to be made on my behalf, that would be grace. But he goes farther than that. If God were, were simply to provide the sacrifice for my sins, for all that I have done, for a sacrifice like that to be made, for him to simply provide that on my behalf would be amazing grace. But he goes farther than that because God doesn't just allow a sacrifice and God doesn't just provide a sacrifice. God becomes the sacrifice for us, for our sins. That is grace that is more and deeper and better than we can possibly imagine. And Paul says we have forgiveness of our trespasses, forgiveness of our sins. All of our sinful thoughts, all of our sinful words, all of our sinful actions, and even the sins of neglect, the sins that we've committed simply by not doing what we should be doing, whether in the past or the present or the ones that haven't happened yet, all of our sins have been pardoned completely. How? Because Christ has suffered the punishment we deserve for all of our sins. 
And He did that not because of anything in us. It's all according to the riches of His grace. And Paul says that He lavished that grace on us in verse 8. Grace that He lavished on us. Grace that He didn't withhold in any way on you. If you're in Christ, you've received the fullness of the grace of God. Because of His grace, all of our sins are now pardoned. All of our sins forgiven. And the record of our sins has been completely and permanently deleted. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And so now God is completely satisfied and even pleased with us. Because of Christ's perfect life, which has been credited to our account. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, God made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is treated, counted, as if He committed all of our sins, so that we can be treated, counted, as if we lived the way that Jesus lived. God made Him to be sin so that in Him we might become righteousness. Clean and holy. Pure and holy. And verse 10 tells us that all of this is this plan for the fullness of time that unites all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. The focus of this plan is Christ. Focus of all of this is Christ. It's not me. It's not you. It's Christ. And then all things are going to be unified under Him. Do you think of that? Because Christ is compassionate and wise, that means something for our future. To be united under His rule brings happiness. It brings hope and joy in the eternal life that we will have with Him forever. So if you are in Christ, you are clean and you are holy. And lastly, you are safe and you're secure. Verses 11 through 14. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the deposit or the down payment of eternal life of the promise that you are safe and you are secure. 
the Spirit guarantees the full payment of enjoying God in heaven forever because He is God within us. One commentator writes, there is a certain and glorious future awaiting believers. Even as we struggle now with personal failures and addictions or debilitating physical and mental conditions or miserable jobs or unemployment or painful singleness, loveless marriages, divorce or widowhood, whatever we face, Christians can be sure that already and forever we will live in unity under Christ. And the guarantee, Paul says, the promise of that is the Holy Spirit. That you have obtained an inheritance. And I want us to know the certainty of that. You have received an inheritance having been predestined, Paul says. So that inheritance is not dependent on you. That inheritance is not due to anything you did or you will do. It's because of God's love and grace that He chose to pour out on us. Paul says it's according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That means you're not going to be able to undo it. You should rather respond to it the way that Paul does. It is all to the praise of His glorious grace. You are sealed and you are safe. And you are secure. Paul says three things in this text over and over again. One we, we mentioned already, in Christ or in Him. Over and over throughout all of this, you see in Christ, in Him. We've been blessed. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who are the first to hope in, in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is all about Christ. And it's all because of Christ. So the first thing we see repeated is that focus on it's in Christ, it's in Him, it's in Christ. 
The second thing we see is that, that expression according to his will. We see that in verse 1 that we didn't look at this morning, verse 5, verse 9, verse 11. Paul wants his readers to rejoice that God is accomplishing his great and glorious plan. The history of this world is not random. You and I are not accidents. Your life is not pointless. Those things would be true if Christ had not died and had not been risen from the dead. But he did die and he was raised to prove his love for us and to redeem us from our sin. Your life matters. You matter because God loves you. And so how should we respond? The answer to that is with thanksgiving. If this isn't about us, and yet in the midst of all of this not being about us, we're lavished with love and grace, then our response ought to be the focus of Paul here, which is thanksgiving and praise. That's the third thing that Paul repeats throughout the text, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glorious grace. He's telling us that God's blessings in our lives should lead us to give thanks. That Just as I said last week, we should be the most thankful people on the planet. To give praise and thanksgiving to the one who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. To the one who chose us and loves us. To the one who made us pure and holy. To the one who promises that we are safe and secure in Christ. Paul wants us to know and he wants us to praise and be thankful. In fact, after this long and glorious sentence that tells us our identity in Christ, Paul tells the Ephesians how he prays for them. I want to read that as a reminder and a prayer that we walk through this week knowing the truths Paul wants the Ephesians and us to know. In light of all of that, in verses 3 through 14, all that is true of us and our identity, Paul says this, beginning with verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Now listen, I mentioned this before. No matter how you feel, no matter how you feel about yourself, no matter the things you preach to yourself about yourself, if you're in Christ, all of verses 3 through 14 are absolutely true of you. And everything that he prays is true of you. He's praying that you would know that those things are true. And so as we're finishing this out, if you're here and, and, and you don't feel like these things are true, what Paul's praying here is that you would know, don't give up. No matter how weak you feel, no matter how poor you feel in this walk of faith, no matter how faithless you feel, what does he pray in the middle of that? That you would know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that much power is at work on your behalf to bring you all the way to God. That you will be with him, not because you're strong enough, but because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is pushing you all the way there, and you will make it. And that's worth thanking him and praising him for the rest of your life. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper together. As we prepare to do that, I just want to, want to say again, we have redemption because we trust in the precious blood of Jesus who was sacrificed on the cross in our place for our sins. And that's what we rehearse. That's what we announce that's what we proclaim. That's what we remember each and every time we take the Lord's Supper. His body was broken for us. And His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And I want to encourage you, if you're here and you don't know these truths, and more importantly, you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Christ, one of the things that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 11 as it relates to taking the Lord's Supper is, is to take it in a worthy manner. That each and every time we take the, the bread and the cup, we proclaim, he says, the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you aren't in Christ, if you don't know him as Savior, then, then truly you, you wouldn't want to announce that to others yet. My encouragement to you is instead of coming and, and receiving the bread and receiving the cup and going back to take it together, is that in your heart you would honestly evaluate these things. If these things are true, if the things that Paul wrote are true, then today the greatest thing that you could possibly do is surrender. If someone came and lived a perfect life on this earth and laid that life down so that you could have your sins forgiven. And then that same person had promised that he was going to rise again from the dead. If he actually did, if he really was raised from the dead, the way that he said he would be, then today the, the greatest and wisest thing that you could do is to, to consider him and partake of him. Not, not, not just partake of the elements that represent him, but truly partake of Jesus and surrender to him and trust in him.
Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. You're good and every single thing you do is good. We praise you for that, Lord. We ask that you would help us, help us to believe, not just to, to partake of the bread and the cup in a, in a faithless manner, Lord, in a way that's just a habit for us, but to believe. And if there's anyone here who doesn't yet know you, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, that they would trust that this is history, that this really did happen, that you really did come to this earth, you really did live a life that we could never live, perfect and holy. You really did willingly lay that life down for us so that whoever would trust in you would be saved, would be forgiven, would be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, would be chosen and loved, would be pure and holy, would be safe and secure forever and ever. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.